multiple reliable survey results show that a significant number of self-identified Christians don't go to church. They say, I practice my faith in my way. I can walk with God without other believers and don't want to spend time with them. They also say attending Sunday morning services is optional. Christian faith is a private matter between God and me and my personal worship, prayer, Bible reading, meditation, and spiritual experiences are sufficient to be a good Christian. However, Jesus is pretty clear that the most important commandment for us is to love the Lord your God and love others as yourself. And he emphasizes there is no other commandment greater than this. So why do we still observe so-called at-home Let's give you a little bit of time. It's okay. So why do we still observe so-called stay-at-home Christians? Some experts suggest that they are influenced by the prevalent individualism and consumerism of this world, focusing only on what they want where they intentionally choose not to interact with other believers for various reasons, including negative relational experience at church. Sadly, it has also been found that they eventually lose their faith, and their children are often impacted by their parent choices. Although they believe they are still on the right path with their own convictions. They continue to be drifted away from the Lord without being aware of it. These consequences is inevitable because they are choosing their own way rather than God's way, regardless of what the Bible says. The Bible repeatedly emphasizes the importance of regular gatherings, mutual encouragement, and building each other up in faith and love. This is directly related to our lifelong spiritual growth and expansion of the kingdom of God. This is not optional. It is a significant part of Christian life. But the reality is that we all fall short of His glory. And we often face various relational challenges within the church. It seems like churches are not that different from other secular organizations when it comes to relational issues. However, the church is a body of Christ and must be fundamentally different from the ways of the world. 
Because Christ is the head of the church. This morning we are concluding our sermon series, All the Things God Cares About, by focusing on what the Bible says about the causes of relational challenges and how to deal with them in the family of God, which is so important for us as Christians. Matthew 18, verses 1 to 9. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of, these, one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it up and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be drawn into eternal fire. And if your eyes causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. In this passage, you can see what the disciples' concern was. It was about greatness in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, they were pursuing their personal glory. They lived and traveled with Jesus together, visiting various towns and villages. They witnessed Jesus performing miracles, teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. The disciples were not only observers, but actively participated in Jesus' ministry, helping with tasks, and asking questions to deepen their understanding. Isn't it amazing how they could still be pursuing their personal glory in that life situation? They were still influenced by their expectations of a political messiah who established an earthly kingdom and elevate his followers to position of the power and prominence. 
They had been thinking in terms of traditional hierarchies and positions of authority of this world. They had their own definition of the kingdom of God and were pursuing it. They kept desire for personal glory even when they were with Jesus. We may be in a similar situation. We worship God, pray, read the Bible, meditate on words, and walk with Jesus in our spiritual journey. However, like the disciples in the passage, we are also influenced by the world and often desire or pursue personal glory. This brings all kinds of relational challenges within the church. If you sense relational tensions within your family or church community, it may be a sign that you or some of them are pursuing personal glory. When you heard the title of this message, Dealing with Difficult People in the Family of God, you might be thinking about someone who makes you feel uneasy or emotionally challenged, expecting to find ways to deal with that difficult person. Looking to blame others, criticizing them, and attempting to fix them is a worldly approach. Blaming others began right after Adam and Eve committed sin. Adam pointed Eve as the reason for their sin, although they did together. We witnesses the consequences of such actions in this world every day. Our Lord said no. He teaches us the opposite. Jesus invites us to look at our heart, mindset, and attitude first. Jesus calls a little child to stand among them and says, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In the cultural context of Jesus' time, Children were considered lowly and without status. They were seen as vulnerable and in need of full guidance and care. Jesus emphasized the need for his disciples to be humble, trusting, and dependent in their relationship with God to enter the kingdom of heaven. There is no relational tensions in his kingdom because God is the center of everything there.
if you are getting bigger and God is getting smaller in your heart, you will see broken relationships more and more in your family and church community. Please don't look at others. When we examine our heart to assess our humility, trust, and dependence on God, He will begin to make changes in our relationship with others. To understand and resolve issues of our relationships, we need to start from what God says related to our relationships. Romans 12, 3 to 8. For by the grace given me, I say to you, say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul uses the analogy of the human body to illustrate the unity of the church. Just as the human body has many parts with different functions, so too does the church. We as members of the body of Christ are interconnected and invited to work together harmoniously. For this, we should not think too highly of ourselves. And this humility is grounded in an understanding of the grace given by God. Each one of us has been given spiritual gift by God's grace. God never gives everything to one person. These gifts vary based on the needs of the church. Paul lists some examples of this gift, including prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, and mercy. We need each other. We need each other. We should encourage and support each other. 
to use them for His church, the body of Christ. Romans 14, verses 1 to 4. Accept the one whose faith is weak, without scrolling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their master, servant, stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Paul is, talk, Paul is talking about the tendency among early Christians to judge and look down upon fellow believers who may hold different, who may hold different opinions or practices in non-essential matters. It hurts people and breaks relationships. In our lives, the time or life stage when you come to have faith in Jesus is different for each of us. We all have different starting points in our spiritual journeys. Some may come to faith at a young age, while others may meet Jesus later in life. Additionally, each person has their own personality, backgrounds, knowledge, experiences, views, and preferences. Their life situations are all different. That means life path or ways in which God helps us spiritually mature are all different because we are all unique and God leads us in the way that best suits us. We are all in a different stage in terms of our spiritual journey. When considering all these factors, they shape people's beliefs or perspectives. It is impossible for everyone to have the same opinions on controversial issues. It is rather strange to be able to have the same thoughts on them. So we need to acknowledge that disagreement are natural and normal part of human interaction. We have the right to believe whatever we think is right. So it is inevitable and not necessarily wrong or sinful for us to hold different opinions.
So we should avoid judging one another based on personal convictions or interpretations and prioritize welcoming and supporting each other in our faith journey. Our focus should be on mutual respect, understanding, and unity within the church, leaving the judgment to the Lord. In today's passage, Jesus issues a severe warning against causing others, especially those who believe in him, to stumble. He uses strong language about the consequences for those who lead others away from faith, saying that it would be better for such a person to have a millstone tied around their neck and be drowned in the sea. Paul says in verse 4, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. It is ultimately God's role to judge his servant. And he has the power to sustain and uphold every Christian, each one of you. It is the Lord who will judge his servant or make them stand, not you. First Peter 4, verses 8 to 11. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, not yours, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Love goes beyond our superficial expressions. It is a love characterized by sincerity, intensity, and fervency. This deep love is transformative, covering a multitude of sins. Such love creates a supportive and forgiving, forgiving community 
where everyone is committed to one another. People in this world say things like this. I don't love him because I don't like his personality or lifestyle. He has a different point of view on this critical issue. He is not nice to me. He is not helpful. Or he doesn't care about me. If you find yourself sharing a similar mindset, there may be something you haven't fully surrendered to God in your heart. If we love only when others have a good personality or the same viewpoint, when they are nice to me, when they, when they care about me, or when they are helpful to me. This is the way this world loves. This is not true love. This is still all about me and all about what I want. If we love as this world loves. What is the point of the church? What is the point of Christ's work? Have you ever experienced the situation, whether at work, home, or in the church, where there was always someone who make you feel uneasy or difficult? Why? We all fall short of His glory. And there are always people who are so different from us in many ways. That implies that you too may be a difficult person to someone somewhere. You may want to think of yourself as an exception, but there is no exception because of our limitations and still selfish nature. When our, life, when our lives were full of sin, when we had an ungodly viewpoint, when we were selfish, rebellious to God, and didn't care about Him, Jesus still loved us, came to us, lived with us, and died for us. Now the Lord sees us as if we had never sinned against Him, and we are righteous. This is the way He has loved us. Jesus says, Love each other as I, as I have loved you. If we see each other 
as Jesus sees us. If we love as Jesus has loved us, there will be no rule for relational tensions in your family and church. And your love will glorify God. How do you see your brothers and sisters? How do you love them? Your spouse, your children, your parent. How do you see them? How do you love them? In verse 9, Peter says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. This goes beyond merely welcoming others into your home, into our home. It extends to creating an atmosphere of openness, generosity, and love. Peter specifically emphasizes the attitude accompanying hospitality, doing so without complaining. This means that true Christian hospitality involves a joyful and willing embrace of others reflecting the love of Christ. When we practice this, there will be no room for relational tensions. And your hospitality will glorify God. How often and how do you practice hospitality? Each believer has received gift from God's varied grace. The purpose of this gift is not self-promotion or personal glory, but rather the service of others. Whether it's through speaking or serving, the end goal is glorification of God. Serving others become a form of worship, a recognition of God's grace, and an acknowledgement that all talents and abilities belong to Him. Our church leaders, ministry leaders, many volunteers have faithfully been working to serve the congregation in various areas of ministries. All our church members have also been working in various areas of their lives. You invest our time and energy, putting in great effort. However, there may be times when you are disappointed or discouraged. It could happen when Despite your hard work, there is a little response from others. When the outcomes fall short of your expectations, 
or when you face criticism from others. In those moments, you may experience disappointment. As limited human beings, it is natural to experience such, such emotions. And we definitely need encouragement and support in those, in those situations. But when you find yourself disappointed as you serve, it may be wise to reflect on whom you are serving and why you are serving. It is not for my glory. In other words, it is not to achieve my goals, meet my expectations, enhance my reputation, or satisfy myself. Whatever you do, remember that it is the Lord you are serving. And your service is for His glory. When you serve others the way you serve the Lord and strive to bring glory to Him, there will be no room for relational tensions within the family of God. And His name will be glorified. As I conclude, I'd like to share Peter's words from verse 11 with you again. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, all the issues and tensions in our relationship often rise when you are pursuing personal glory. Helps us embrace humility, trust, and dependence on you. Let us see our brothers and sisters as you see them and love them as you have loved us. Teach us to love deeply. Practice hospitality and serve one another for your glory. Lead us always to bring glory to you through our relationships in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's rise.